Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to us today. Give us a download, a view, wherever it is that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. You know, the diet industry is a $66 billion machine being driven by quick promises for long-term weight problems. More than 45 million Americans will go on a quote-unquote diet at any point in a given year, and about half of them will be turning to fad diets to slim down. I've been there. Who hasn't been there? Maybe you've heard me talk about this one. I once went on something called the cookie diet. The cookie diet, for goodness sakes. You eat two cookies, drink a lot of water, and then have a sensible dinner every day, and you're finally going to be healthy and like what you see in the mirror. Well, here's the thing. It's just not sustainable. How many of us have gone on one of these diets and lose 20 pounds or 30 pounds, heck, maybe even 100 pounds or more, only to put all of that weight back on and then some? You know, some researchers estimate that as much as 95% of all diets will fail. Now, that number is the subject of a great debate, but you do get the idea. And with more than two-thirds of adults in the U.S. now considered either overweight or obese, people are growing more and more desperate. And that makes the carrot being dangled in front of them by these magical fad diets promising the opportunity to slim down, it makes that magical carrot all the more attractive. And one of the more popular diets in recent years has been the paleo diet. And that's what we're going to be discussing on the show today. Business analysts project that the paleo diet alone will be a $4 billion industry by next year. That is big money. Big, big money. So Dr. Hana Kaliova, she's going to be joining me in just a moment. She's been busy digging into the paleo diet, separating myth from fact, and looking into what effect paleo can have on your health. And that's really the key in all of this, isn't it? We can talk about dollars and cents all day, but what is the point of spending all of that money if it's not going to help fight obesity over the long haul or bring down your chances of an early death? Then, a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by plant-based pro wrestler Austin Aries. I wanted to bring him back on as we continue exploring a little bit deeper the effect that vegan diets have on athletes. The documentary Game Changers, which is going to shatter the myth that we can't be bigger, we can't be stronger, and we can't be faster without eating meat. Well, that documentary is coming out in September, and I wanted to speak with someone who's been competing for years now while being fueled exclusively by plants. Austin, by the way, not just doing wrestling anymore. He's also been dabbling in MMA and has been busy training with former UFC heavyweight champion Frank Muir. That's a huge name, Frank Muir. So it's going to be really interesting to see just how much those plants are powering Austin's punches. Can 
continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Today's show is a very, I suspect it's going to be a popular one, because in the past we've talked about the keto diet, and that just went bananas in terms of downloads and views, and we've talked about Atkins and other fad diets. But a diet that we have not talked about yet is the paleo diet. And I'm very excited to welcome back to the show our director of clinical research, Dr. Hanna Kaliova. You know the ins and outs of paleo, and I can't wait to get into this with you. <laughs> Me too. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, and I really hope that you are, you will notice that the desk is kind of covered in paper right now. It looks a mess. That's okay, because what all of this is, I'll hold this up here. This is all research that has been done on the various diets and their positive and negative effects, and we're going to get into all of that. But I think that the place to start really is, what is the paleo diet? What is it? What are the principles of the paleo diet? It is my understanding, Dr. Kaliova, that it's really a diet that was created to kind of pattern uh, human eating as it was in the Paleolithic era, which means that you're going to be excluding a lot of things from your diet. That's really kind of the short of it. That's correct. Uh, it's trying to, um, you know, make our diet similar to the diet of the ancient hunters and gatherers mm -hmm. uh, and to avoid foods that are processed and that are also, um, you know, a result of modern agriculture culture, like grains or legumes. Yep. Uh, so here's the no-no list uh, that, that I pulled up. You, you mentioned grains and legumes, other things that are no-nos on the paleo diet, dairy, no problem, refined sugar, salt, uh, highly processed foods of any kind. And here's one that also surprised me. Uh, no-no on paleo is potatoes. Wh what? Why? Why in the world is a potato a no-no? Right. Uh, so... Um, the theory behind is that potatoes were brought to us, um, you know, later on. Uh, so, uh, again, potatoes are considered to be a result of modern agriculture. Um, and uh, that's why the paleo diet excludes them. And also, we, could, we should look into archaeological research. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we have evidence that people were eating grains um, very early on, even before modern agriculture. So the theory is, um, you know, uh, not as well um, established, right. um, not as well backed up by science. Right. I think one of the, the pages that I was looking at doing some research on this diet uh, said that the Paleolithic era was like two and a half million years ago to 10,000 years ago. And shortly before we started to tape here, I was like, kind of the same way with potatoes. I was like, there's no way that man hasn't been eating right. grains for more than 10,000 yeah. years. Like, it, it, there's just no way. We have archaeological uh, evidence that people were eating grains. Uh, there are, you know, some teeth that are super old with uh, whole grains right. in between the teeth. Ah, see, right. So nobody's saying that, you know, somebody a million years ago was in a cave baking sourdough bread, but if there's a wheat field, you just pick up some yep. wheat and just start chewing on it and see what happens, you know? <laughs> um, all right, so we've talked about what you can't eat in paleo. Let's talk about what you can. Uh, on the yes list, fruits and vegetables. I like that, all right? Yep. On any diet, I yep. love that. Uh, nuts and seeds are also highly encouraged. Uh, here's where 
if you're plant-based, it gets a little bit sketchy. Uh, they also are big proponents of lean meats, fish, and oils. Uh, all three things, uh, definitely no-nos on a plant-based diet, but uh, are big yeses when it comes to paleo. That's correct. Um, let's Let's talk about the notion overall that the body wasn't able to or isn't able to digest what we eat in our modern diet, okay? And and let's – we're not going to talk about specifically fast food and highly processed right. things like McDonald's or Burger King or anything like that. Obviously, those are super brand new foods in terms of time, and I could argue, well, yeah, the body doesn't really know what to do with that. But when we're talking about simple things like grains, when right. we're talking about simple things like beans – I think that the body would do just fine with that. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. So if if we have any specific food or food group, uh, there are answers in scientific literature. So let's look. Uh, let's dive into uh, the scientific literature. Mm -hmm. uh, I pulled up um, uh, meta analyses uh, and a systematic review of all the research that has been done on the health effects of whole grains. Okay. Uh, just to find out, you know, if the if there is any scientific evidence for avoiding grains, uh, as uh, so, you know, recommended by the paleo diet. Right. Uh, this review paper uh, has been published uh, in 2016 uh, by Dr. McRae, um, and uh, the review suggests that there is some evidence for diet for dietary whole grain intake to be beneficial in the prevention of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and colorectal, pancreatic, and gastric cancers. The potential benefits of these findings suggest that the consumption of two to three servings per day, that's only two or three tiny slices of bread or one big bowl of oatmeal a day, of whole grains may be a justifiable public health goal. So that's a summary of scientific literature mm. that has been published so far I would on health benefits of whole grains. I would assume a lot of that maybe has to do with fiber uh, because we that's obviously correct. know the, the health benefits of fiber and how that lowers the risk of so many diseases. I mean, fiber, uh, as your colleague uh, Lee Crosby upstairs, the fiber queen, uh, will tell you, it, it goes into the body and it acts like a scrubber yes. and it just gets all of that bad stuff out of your system. It's amazing. Now let's look at the health um, effects of legumes. Yes, by all means. Um, That's another one. What's, what's the scientific evidence for their health benefits or, or health risks? Mm -hmm. So again, I pulled up a review article on health effects of legumes uh, published also in 2016 uh, by our colleagues in Australia, Dr. Curis Blazos. And uh, they're saying, quote, the strongest evidence appears to be for links between eating legumes and reduced risk of colorectal cancer, as well as eating soy foods and reduced LDL cholesterol. Hmm. And also, epidemiological studies and randomized clinical trials suggest that replacing several meat-based meals a week with legumes can have a positive impact on longevity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and weight management, 
potentially via favor- favorable effects on the gut microbiome. Ah. So legumes are also a rich source of fiber, and they affect our gut microbiome um, that produces short uh, uh, chain fatty acids, uh, which are beneficial for our health and are, you know, very valuable in terms of preventing diabetes, preventing cardiovascular disease, and sometimes of sub- some types of cancer. Very interesting. All right, so so there you go with beans, right? Another staple of of the plant based diet, something that we've talked about in depth on this show. Um, I've heard of nothing bad coming from beans. And also, uh, one aspect to realize: um, whole grains and legumes are staple foods around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are these are the main components of the traditional diets, like you know, corn and beans, or. Uh, rice and beans, right, um, right, you know, or tofu and rice. So around the globe, um, whole grains and legumes are staple foods uh, and are the main components of the traditional uh, diets. Right, and, and in some places, um, places on Earth where people have a very long life expectancy, some of the blue zones that have been studied by Dan Buettner. Right. Um, I know when you look at the Okinawan diet over in Japan, they have rice in abundance. You know, like it's that's a, that's a staple over there. I want to. I, I did some research uh, mm-hmm. uh, just now on my phone. Uh, the powers of the iPhone. Uh, went back and found out about potatoes, right? So here's the thing about potatoes. Um, according to uh, what scientists believe is that uh, potatoes were first cultivated between 8,000 and 5,000 B.C. by the Inca Indians in Peru. All right, so we are talking about well, rough, roughly 10,000 right. or so. Uh, I'm, math is not my strong suit. But anyway, fun little research. So maybe that's why they're thinking potatoes are no-nos if, if they're you know strictly basing everything on uh, was this around in the Paleolithic era. Um, I want to bring your attention to a portion of a study – uh, that you sent to me, uh, looking at the association between dietary factors and mortality from heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes in the U.S. Um, this is interesting, and I know that this is something that we've even touched on previously at uh, the International Conference of Nutrition and Medicine, and that is omega-3 fatty acids, especially from fish uh, sources. And they say one of the leading causes of death is not enough consumption of these omega-3s from fish. So I'm curious. Obviously, this is a plant-based show. So why is it that these researchers are saying, hey, if you're not eating enough fish, you're increasing your risk of death? Yes, that's an excellent question. Uh, Let me just summarize the findings of the study first. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this study um, summarized uh, findings uh, from uh, large prospective cohort studies in the United States. And uh, the researchers uh, found 10 foods or nutrients that are associated with cardiometabolic deaths. Okay. And their uh, conclusion is that more than 45% of cardiometabolic deaths in the United States could be prevented if only people eat more fruits, more vegetables, more nuts and seeds, more whole grains, 
less unprocessed red meats, less processed meats in general, less sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, we're eating more polyunsaturated fats, more seafood omega threes, and less sodium. Right. So these are the main findings uh, from the study. And now your question is with omega threes. You know, um, if everyone eats uh, three servings of fish uh, per week as recommended, not only they will expose themselves to high levels of mer- mercury and potentially have mercury poisoning. But also, it's a diet that's not sustainable in the long term for our planet uh, as our population is growing. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, even if some people are following these recommendations, it's just a matter of time when they will be forced to look for other sources because of the mercury levels and also because of the sustain- sustainability. Uh, so what are the alternative sources of omega-3s? Right. Now, that is a good question. If you are plant-based, where does one get their omega-3s? Uh, so there are some good plant sources. Uh, first of all, um, if you want to still stick to the seafoods, uh, you can get some algae from, from the sea. Oh, uh, really? These contain some omega-3s. Um, their uh, flaxseed is a rich source of, of omega threes, but also some herbs uh, like, for example, crest and some uh, leaf, uh, green leafy vegetables contain a lot of omega threes. They don't contain so much fat, but percentage-wise, the omega threes are fairly high on the list. Green leafy vegetables with the omega threes, yep. really? I did not know that. I love that about the show, and I'm telling you, I say it every single week that I learn something new. That is my new nugget for the day. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That is fantastic. You always bring uh, such such fun knowledge here. Um, let's let's switch gears here, you know, because it it struck me as I'm in Whole Foods or or Trader Joe's or sometimes Giant or wherever it is that I'm shopping. You know, there's. All of these paleo foods, they're, they're found in abundance, right? You yes. can hardly go down any aisle without seeing, you know, paleo this, paleo that. The thing about the paleo diet uh, is that it is uh, quite cost prohibitive in a lot of regards. Yes. Um, I pulled up some things, uh, headed over to uh, everybody's favorite website, Amazon, and I was looking at the cost of some of these things. Um, and for a jar of avocado mayo... Uh, that would be nine dollars uh, for twelve pieces of jerky, twenty dollars uh, for some granola. Uh, the bag will cost you eight dollars. Eight dollars for a bag of granola. Yeah, I can make mine at home for like two dollars. You know, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. And then a bottle of ketchup here. I think that was. Uh, somewhere in the ballpark of seven or eight dollars as well. Uh, I, I mean, that's. I mean, I know that it's marketing and paleo is a buzzy thing, and you could say the same thing about a vegan diet. In all honesty, but I mean, my goodness gracious, that is an awful lot of money, Doctor Kaliova. That is an awful lot of money. And you know, you can be a very cheap vegan. You know, you can eat so cheaply rice and beans. That's a lunch for one or two dollars. You know, with some steamed broccoli on the top and some chunked tomatoes or some basil leaves. You know, that's a pretty cheap 
lunch. Yeah, didn't you do uh, your lunch? You were telling me it was millet and what? Yes, and lentils. There you go. So I did lentils with uh, some onions and some um, tomatoes mm -hmm. and then topped it with uh, green parsley. And the millet was just cooked and mixed with onions, garlic, uh, and bell peppers. Interesting. That's and it. That sounds phenomenal. Super it simple. Was, oh, it was it was so cheap, so simple to make, and so delicious. You know, right. and so healthy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Grains yeah. and legumes. Right. Right. You know, are associated with longevity and lower risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes and cancer. Absolutely. So what else do you want? Uh, let me ask you this uh, real quick. Another big thing, and this is just kind of bouncing around, another big thing with the paleo diet is people stress grass-fed beef. Okay? They say if you're going to eat red meat, make sure that it's grass-fed. In terms of health, what does the research say as far as whether or not something is or is not more healthy because it's grass-fed? Uh, you know, uh, you may feel better <laughs> about buying grass-fed meat. However, it still contains saturated fat. It still contains uh, cholesterol. Right. It still contains animal protein. All of these are associated with a high risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer. You know, the health risks still apply. Right. Yeah, I, I, I would assume so. Beef is beef is beef, right? Is there anything else that we're missing here? Did, did we touch on anything? I know that we have just all of these these papers, all of this research in front of us. I want to make sure that we've really touched on the core things. Are we leaving anything out? Uh, I think we mentioned the whole grains yes. and the legumes. We have not mentioned dairy. It's there a good go. it's a good thing that the paleo diets uh, discourage people from eating dairy because of you know higher risk of autoimmune disease associated with uh, dairy consumption so that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, there are some aspects of the paleo diet that are good. Uh, you know, encouraging people to avoid processed foods and uh, sugar-sweetened beverages. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. And so I think that if you look at the paleo diet as a whole and you put that head to head with, say, keto, which we've talked about on this show, or the Atkins diet, any of those low carb, high fat diets, I would assume that the paleo diet would be the healthier option. There are still far healthier options right. than the paleo diet. So as as a doctor, what is your assessment of this diet? Would you recommend it? Yeah, I completely agree with your assessment. It's definitely healthier than a keto diet. Uh, but at the same time, why to avoid grains and legumes when we've looked at the scientific literature showing mm -hmm. all the health benefits associated with consumption of whole grains and legumes? Um, so, you know, going further away, avoiding meats and replacing them with grains and legumes uh, will give you more health benefits. And let me close with this. A lot of people, the first reason that they turn to any diet really is to lose weight. And this is a statement from the Mayo Clinic uh, on the paleo diet. And it says the bottom line on this is that a paleo diet may help you lose weight or maintain your weight. Uh, it may also have other beneficial health effects. However, 
there are no long-term clinical studies about the benefits and potential risks of this diet. And goes on to say you can get the same health benefits from, you know, eating a balanced, healthy diet with lots of fruits and vegetables and getting some exercise. That's true. Yeah. So, pretty pretty good summation there, huh? Yeah. The good pa- job. The paleo diet. This is this is uh, yeah. good stuff. We we've tackled another one, and it is thanks to you. Thank you very much, Dr. Hanna Kaliova. Thanks, Chuck. My friend, now would be a great time to subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee and give us a nice rating on Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you get your favorite shows. When you do, you will be helping others discover this potentially life-saving information. We talked about combating obesity at the top of the show, and just by subscribing, rating, and sharing the show, you are doing your part to fight back. As promised, Austin Aries here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Of course, coming up, Major League Wrestling's Never Say Never at the Melrose Ballroom in New York City, Thursday, July 25th. And hey, if you're listening to this on the first day that it drops, two things. One, good on you for subscribing to the show. Two, it is not too late to get your tickets. Head over to MLWTickets.com to pick that up. And with that, we welcome to the show the A-Word himself, Austin Aries. Welcome back to the Exam Room. Thank you so much, Chuck, and thank Thank you for using your discretion and to not offend your all your listeners right off the bat. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> this is it's a different kind of audience than the ones that you used to performing in front of, man. But that that's why uh, I enjoy coming out here because we can talk about a whole bunch of different stuff before we even get to the real important stuff, which is food. Yeah, well, food food is the nuts and bolts of it all, man. But uh, honestly, right. yeah, man. Before we do get to that, uh, how's it been going, man? I know that uh, we haven't really uh, seen you as active in the ring recently. I know that you've uh, recently moved out in Los Angeles. You and I actually linked yeah. up there about a month ago, uh, and you took me on a yeah, Las Vegas a food yeah. to Lo- Los Angeles, Las Vegas. I'm sorry, man. It was uh, the vegan good. scene out there is red hot, man. There are some good eats. Yeah, man, it, it really is. And really one of the reasons why I, I kind of relocated out here or was interested, you know, I've been coming out here for a long time for wrestling, you know, for probably a decade plus and, you know, have some friends out here. But one thing I remember even back in the day was that as I was kind of vegetarian to go into veganism is the scene out here, surprisingly for being Vegas, wasn't what I expected because you think with all the money being pumped and all these people coming from different places that there would be a really thriving, uh, not just vegan scene, but really any, all types of cuisine, right? And it wasn't the case, but really in the last five years, just like it's kind of done, I think, you know, across the country, it's exploded here. And maybe a little more so because being a major hub, you know, things tend to grow faster here. Um, but, you know, I came and spoke at the Veg Fest here, which I'm hoping to do again uh, this year in a couple of months, the Vegas Veg Fest. And that's when I kind of noticed the scene was changing and there was a really strong and uh, thriving community here that was growing and, and um, it was really exciting. So, uh, yeah, you know, I've moved around a lot in my life, 25, 26 times now that last count or something. And, uh, but yeah, I'm digging Vegas. I'm going to put some roots down and hope to do some cool things in this town. Well, you know, one of my favorite restaurants that we hit out there, uh, actually you took me to it. It was in a little place called Container City in downtown called uh, Simply Pure. Yeah. 
And I put this out yeah. on Instagram, this this photo of this mountain of zoodles. I mean, it was as tall as I am, just like a five-foot tower of zoodles. Slight exaggeration, but if you go check out at right. Chuck Carroll WLC, I mean, and it yeah, was you're not good, man. Five. You're only like, you're like, you're, you're only 4'10", Chuck. It's not exaggerating. 4'11", all right? I wear lifts, oh, all right? Okay. And it's not like oh, you've got room to talk. So do I. It's funny because people send me stuff all the time. Just It's funny that people uh, send me like rude things or whatever, uh, or you know, they think they're funny or whatever. But yeah, the lifts, man. I've been wearing lifts for years. Man, like, <laughs> like, Dude, you got to do it. They're great. It, it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, hold on, man. Seriously, uh, Simply Pure out there in Las Vegas, I know that yeah. uh, like literally that is the must-eat-at spot if you're plant-based and you go out there. Um, it's just this kind of little hole-in-the-wall restaurant there in this place called Container City. And yeah, there is yeah, everything on the menu is amazing, yep. right? Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's uh, Stacy, the chef there. Uh, it's just it's a one of my one of the first spots I went to like when I was kind of it's in the downtown area, Container Park, and uh, yeah, man, it's their uh, their lasagna is great, um, and but they so it's one of those places where and this is what I like, especially now because as veganism has become more mainstream, what you're seeing is less and less healthy options are popping up, and now you're going to start seeing a lot of the same health issues we've had. Um, the standard American diet start to pop up if we're not be careful of what kind of vegan food we're eating because processed and, and cholesterol and oils and all these things, you know, vegan or not, aren't necessarily good for us. Um, but a place like that, Simply Pure, if you want to go eat clean, you know, even, you know, because vegan diets can be clean or dirty, right? So, but you, you can eat really clean there, good. Like you said, you, got, you, had the, you, know, you had the zoodles, which was, I think, you know, from a caloric and just nutritional standpoint, a really light, clean dish. But then mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, get something, you know, you can, you can eat, you know, something that's a little more, uh, you know, uh, on the other side of the coin and, and indulge a little bit. So uh, it's a good little spot, and it's a good it's a good atmosphere too. That Container Park area, they just basically, if you've never seen it, they they built a whole little kind of um, you know park full of these shipping containers, right? And so all the businesses uh, and everything are made out of shipping containers, which is really cool. And in, in the courtyard, they do lots of cool music events. You got friends that play down there quite a bit, and uh, yeah. So if you're in Vegas or whatever, you're looking for something outside of the strip. Um, go down Container Park and check out Simply Pure. It's a good, good little vegan spot there. Yeah, then right around the corner, you've got Vegination, which is another one. Uh, you told me about that, yeah. and another uh, wrestling journalist who was out there got a chance to talk to him, and he was like, you got to go check that place out. And the menu there was huge. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, that was the last restaurant yeah. uh, that I hit before I, I came back here to D.C., man. And, and <laughs> dude, that breakfast over there was legit. Yeah, it, it, listen, it's... Um, and it's, and those are just two. And those are two that have actually been around, uh, you know, been around for a few years, if not longer, that were kind of say the original uh, of the kind of boom. Um, and there's a lot more that are popping up. I see almost every, you know, cause I'm on social media, you know, you start to see a lot of that come through your feed. And it seems like there's new little, uh, pop-ups, food trucks, restaurants opening up all the time that are, that are going, you know, plant-based. Um, you know, I'm talking to a guy right now. Um, I've been doing some other business with um, that, you know, he's opening a restaurant and while it's going to be predominantly a very traditional seafood, steak, whatever, he's really, and through some other business meetings, really interested now in making sure that he has a developed vegan menu on there to where I'm going to actually go in and help, help with his, uh, you know, his chef who's not versed in vegan cuisine and, and really help them develop their, their, their menu, taking what they already have and, and give them some ideas of what they can do besides, because he says like, you know what, 
most places, you know, that he would go to, your vegan options are a salad or your French fries. You know, and I think we can all relate to that at some point. Yep. That times are changing, and if you're if you're a establishment that's not um, catering now to these different uh, dietary restrictions or um, desires that people have, um, you're really just you're cutting a larger and larger part of your um, consumer base out of your out of your equation. And so, when people want to go spend their money, man, having a little side menu, having something that denotes it with an asterisk, whether it's vegan, vegetarian, gluten free, whatever it might be. I think that it makes people feel like you actually you care and you're aware uh, that these things exist and that and that you know they're important to people. And now, I, like I told him, when I go to a restaurant and I see that they have a side vegan menu or things, you know, have asterisks and it says can be made vegan or vegan option, it also tells me that the wait staff, the kitchen, everyone's been trained in that and they're aware and they understand now the difference. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a piece of mind too that you just see it's a little thing that gives peace of mind to go, oh hey, they're smart to the game and 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 my my needs matter and that's good because i'm the customer and i'm paying here so it's nice that they're they're all coached in that so man it's and that's so you even seen that beyond just the places like you talked about the veggie nations and um the taco and all these places that are awesome vegan places even your non-vegan places now are, are seeing that hey uh we better we better jump on board because more and more people are becoming aware and we're just we're going to be left out in the cold yeah, and uh, when I was out there at uh, Caesars, I, I ate at Nobu, that sushi restaurant that's in there. And a friend tipped me off. He said, "Hey, man, you know they don't necessarily have a vegan menu, but tell the waiter that you are vegan, and just let the chefs yeah. prepare for you what it is that they prepare. They do this all the time." And man, he yep. knew exactly what to bring me. He's like, "Do you do oil? Do you yep. not do oil? How clean do you want this? Do you do fried?" I was like, "Nah, man, bring it as clean as possible." And he plated me up like a nice five, six course dinner that was just out of this world. It wasn't even on the menu. So that's another pro tip is it never even hurts just to ask, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how good, how good did you feel when that guy started saying all that to you? You're like, Oh man, this guy knows, like this guy's smart to it. He knows what he's talking about. Yep. I know for me, immediately you're going like, kind of like this exit, like, okay, cool. I don't have to explain this. There's not going to be some 10 minute conversation that's going to include about why I don't like bacon anymore. You know, like, oh, I could never. I've had that. Like the, the server starts telling me about, the, the, well, I could never do that. I could never. <laughs> okay, well, I only we're getting paid to have a discussion about our yeah, lifestyle man. choices right now. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're just there to take my order, give me what I wanted to eat. <laughs> I'm just hungry, man. Uh, not that those conversations aren't important, but sometimes, yeah. man, you, you're just ready to grub. Yeah, well, and the nice one is, is like the the. This is the big one. I told I, I told this gentleman. I said that you know a lot of times you'll say, hey, do you guys use uh, you know is there any dairy in the, this or do you guys, and uh, you'll get the old answer of, oh, I'm not really sure. Yep. And then you have that moment. I look at him and go, and now here's where you go to the back, <laughs> and you ask somebody. So next time you are really sure. Yeah. Right. Because that's that you know, and but you're getting less and less of that now because yeah. now. I think we're 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 becoming aware that we need to become aware, and that's and that, and that's important. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how you've been doing. Of course, you got this this match coming up against Ace Austin on the twenty uh, fifth over in uh, mm. New York for MLW. Uh, you you haven't been as active in the ring uh, as you have been recently, but uh, I know that you've been keeping yeah. up with your nutrition game, man. So talk to me about uh, your training, man. How's that How's that been going? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know what. Uh, Man, I, I I logged a lot of miles last year uh, traveling. It was it was great. You know, I loved it. Um, 
but I just felt coming into this year, uh, you know, it's always good to uh, recalibrate. Uh, I, for me, you know, the way I, the way my wife is, man, I, I I try to just keep that balance. And um, so I felt this year, dialing back the wrestling initially was to kind of put some focus on some other things. Yeah, obviously, getting us, you know, get moved in this place here in Vegas. Um, you know, I've got a nonprofit that I want to start doing some things with called Awakened by Arts. Um, that really helps, you know, basically you, know, you talk about, uh, you know, educating people and helping people solve problems as opposed to just forget about problems, which is, you know, entertainment is what, what we're paid to do is help people forget about it. You know, I, I want to use this uh, to, you know, empower uh, people by education and using arts and entertainment to help educate them to, to solve and change problems. So, you know, I, I've been laying the groundwork for a lot of things outside of wrestling because, you know, listen, man, there's a there's a shelf life to what to, to what I do, and mm-hmm. um, I, I I've got some good years left in me, but I wanted to make sure that, um, again, balance that you know I was focusing across the board on other things that are important to me, and um, so, yeah, you know, I've been I've been out here training. Uh, you know, I went on uh, there's a great podcast called Phone Booth Fighting with my friends Richard Hunter and Frank Muir. Um, I did that podcast a couple years ago because Richard's vegan as well, and he's the co-host and good friends with Frank Muir, uh, former UFC heavyweight champion. And um, so I've gotten to know them very well um, and actually started training with Frank and have actually kind of taken him, it's going to sound uh, funny to say this, under my wing uh, <laughs> uh, in the pro wrestling game. So, uh, But, yeah, so really just, you know, we're we're in the ring training. Uh, he, he's a great guy, uh, but I wouldn't want to be on his bad side. He's a he's one of those freaks of nature as far as a human being goes. Um, trying to get him on that plant based diet. I know I know. Leading up to his last fight, uh, you know, he he said he cut the meat out, and they've been really cutting a lot of their meat and and now dairy out their diet. And so I know that, that that's something that you know it's nice when you just have an effect on people when you're not really trying by just kind of sharing your story and people respect what you say and they see what you're doing with your life and go, all right, well if it's working for him you know, and, and then maybe it could work for me. And, and, and whether or not people adopt it all the way or not, it doesn't matter. It's just opening their mind to change and, and to look at things differently. And, you know, he lost like 25 pounds, you know, uh, you know pretty quickly uh, as he started to cut the meat on his diet. And so, uh, yeah, man, we're just been doing that training, uh, getting him right for the pro wrestling ring, uh, trying to stay busy. I got wrestling stuff coming up. I've had conversations, um, but I'm just being patient right now and I'm going to pick my spots and, uh, and, uh, but you know, when I pop my head back up, I think everybody will know. So as you're getting ready for this match here, do you ramp up the amount of time that you're spending in the gym, the amount of training that you're doing, or are you pretty consistent throughout? At this stage right now, if I'm being honest, Chuck, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my training has just been, uh, maintenance, uh, you know, like really, you know, leaving WWE, my time there, during my time there, the 18 months, you know, uh, it started developing some neck issues, turning discs in my neck, uh, which, you know, <clears throat> those are things that, you know, if you don't let them heal, you know, you continue to work on them, they, they get worse. So leaving there, when I left there, I had, you know, had some neck issues I was dealing with. And so coming out of that, a lot of this right now, again, when you're, and, and I think, I don't know, uh, a lot of people, that have been doing different physical careers, athletes, pro athletes, I'm 20 years in at this point, I've got a lot of wear and tear on my body. So when you talk about ramping up training, ramping down training, I'm always listening to my body and I'm, and I'm trying to now really my focus as I'm getting older is less about hitting the weights. And 
I spend a lot more time in there rolling, rolling my, you know, rolling, foam rolling, uh, stretching, active stretching, um, you know, core engagement exercises. I might, I might spend an hour doing all that before then I start really pushing weights around. Mm -hmm. Um, because for me, it's just about staying in the game, staying flexible, staying healthy. And, um, you know, and then the other thing too is, you know, again, with kind of training with Frank, cross training each other, you know, I'm not going to have some, uh, I'm not going to proclaim I'm going to have some, uh, long MMA career but it's something that as far as training like I'm getting ready for a, a, a fight is is uh, something that um, you know I want to do and in part of that would probably be me uh, cutting some weight because I would be uh, you know my wrestling my wrestling weight would be too too big for me to try to fight it you know I'd, so I'd have to start slimming down so there's been a little bit of that too of kind of cutting down slimming down and then kind of seeing where I'm at and then rebuilding but uh, you know I, I like like life Chuck, it's just always, uh, it's always maintenance, isn't it? You're just, uh, you just gotta, there's a lot, you're, you're on the ship. It's a nice ship. You built the ship, but there's always going to be waves. No matter how nice, no matter how, no matter how big the boat is, no matter how nice the boat is, there's always going to be waves. And so a lot of the journey is just navigating those waves, plotting the right course. And no one want to just take the sails down and just chill out and just let the uh, let the ocean take you where it's going. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, man. And that's that's a really good analogy here. I know that you're talking about the the grind that uh, you went through when you were with WWE. You're wrestling 200 and some odd days out of the year. The toll that that took on your body. The other thing that we know sure. and what science has proven time and again is that plant based diets do help athletes in terms of recovery. They cut that recovery time down. They cut way down on inflammation. How would you say that your diet, that plant-based diet, actually helped you along, even though you did develop some of those issues while you were with WWE? How would you say that that helped you during your time there in terms of recovering a little bit quicker from these injuries? Yeah, I just think overall, I mean, my whole career has helped me. I mean, the fact that if you really look and uh, – I've got a lot of tape now, right? They talk like, in, in that, and I'm a sports guy, so in sports they talk about having game film and having tape on a guy. You know, if you go back and look at stylistically the, the how I've been wrestling for now, you know, 19 years, um, I think the fact that I still move the way I do, that that I can still perform uh, close to that level in the ring, is a testament to my diet and the fact that I've been able to recover after beating myself up, that I've kept my inflammation levels probably much lower than people who are consuming uh, animal-based diets. I don't know how to compare it because I don't know anything else, right? Right. But I, but I know just from, from science, just how I feel. Like, I'll give you an example, Chuck. I was, in, I was training last week, and I was a little, little behind the scenes here. Uh, I gave myself a, I had an impromptu nose job last week. I gave myself an impromptu nose job last week. <laughs> I, uh, I was in, we were training at the, at the ring, I was training at the facility, and towards the end of the day, I, there's a crash pad there and I brought in the ring just to, you know, show Frank a couple of things or, and then to be quite honest, you know, maybe do a couple of things, a couple of tricks uh, that, that I hadn't pulled off in some time just to make sure you can still do it. You know, if you don't use it, uh, you lose it. So, uh, you know, I, I did a couple of, uh, you know, lion salts off the middle rope, you know, no handed, you know, uh, a la, a la Chris Jericho, um, you know, some things that I used to do athletically that I haven't done just to, you know, just to feel it out. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling limber, feeling light. <clears throat> So I got up top to do a 450 and show Frank one of my finishing moves, which is, if you're not familiar with wrestling, it's 450 degree rotation, splashing your opponents. I did a 490. 
Oh, uh, unfortunately. Um, and missed the crash pad by about six inches. And, uh, so, and where I had had previously had uh, nose surgery, there was a, um, probably about 10 years ago, the scar was underneath my nose there and immediately on, on impact, man, like my whole <laughs> face was rearranged. Uh, so got some color. Did I you underestimated? Yeah, I, I got some color. Um, I actually, I'm not sure how I did this. I think I straightened my nose. Like it, Get out of town. You know, I always kind of had that. I always had that like Owen Wilson thing going in the side of the nose, right? Like after been broken a bunch, <laughs> the swelling's going down, and I think I may have pushed it back a little bit the other way. I'm not sure, but uh, it, it, I I escaped major injury. But I guess the point of that was I underestimate my athletic ability, um, and and how and how uh, spry my legs still are at my age, and I'm going to attribute all of it to my plant based diet. So yeah, man, you've been going at this what two decades now. I'm an OG, all right? Like, everything you just said is true, Chuck. And I need some respect. I'm going to be the, I'm going to turn in the Rodney Dangerfield of the vegan community. You know what I'm saying? Like, as I started, because here's the other thing, like, like, all joking aside, like, when I do stand up, understand, like, like, when you do stand up, you want to touch upon things that, ever, that, that hits across the board. You want to, I don't talk about wrestling when I go to stand up. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to tell wrestling stories to wrestling fans. Um, I have important things I want to say, and, and, and comedy is one of the last, mediums we can do it and have some leeway to say things that are controversial but make people scratch their head and think if we make you know laugh about these things that aren't really funny i think to me that's always the best recipe for change and i've tried doing that when i go and i speak in my different uh, my different you know uh, speaking engagements i came down to pcrm man to stand on stage for an hour and talk to people is unnerving to do it as a wrestling character is one thing to do it when it's your real things that you really care about is different and what I found is I was using comedy as a way to keep people engaged, to keep it light on a topic that isn't really light if you don't want it to be. Right. And that was really why I said, you know what, with this comedy thing, and, and I had some friends in this genre, I expressed some interest in that. And, you know, my friend Tom Garland, who's, I think, a great comedian and a, and a really good manager, is, you know, really, you know, was saying, hey, man, like, you have a lot of this material. He read my book. He's like, you have, you, know, you just got to put it in comedy you know, in that format. And so I started thinking about that. There's not really a lot of comedians. And not that I want to be the vegan comedian because you, you don't want to, you don't want to niche yourself like that, but talking about these things and doing it in a way. And, you know, even in some of my initial ones, when I didn't really have material, and I'm just kind of going up there and throwing myself in the fire to see, see where I'm at. What do I default to when I don't have anything to say? I'm going to default to who I am. And I'm, I'm a vegan pro wrestler at the end of the day. And, um, and, but, you know, I guess the point is, is, uh, Let's you know talk about uncomfortable things, but let's let you know let's uh, let's use comedy and humor uh, to help change, and make people scratch their heads. All right, man. Let's let's end with this question. It's an opportunity for you to put yourself over being the plant-based pro wrestler and budding stand-up yeah. comic that you are. But let's focus on the wrestling here because that's what yeah. you're best known for at this moment. There are a number of vegan wrestlers now. You were uh, yep. the first that I had heard of. Where do you rank yep. though? in terms of the annals of vegan wrestling? Are you at the top of the game? Because you have guys like uh, Zack Sabre Jr. for your more hardcore wrestling fans. They may be familiar with him. Yeah. Your, your more lay fans obviously know Daniel Bryan. Where does A mm -hmm. double fall in the ranking order there among vegan wrestlers? Put yourself over. Uh, well, you know what? A lot of people, you know, this is funny. A lot of people think I'm, you know, this really arrogant, uh, guy with a huge ego. And there's obviously, there's, there's some merit to that, but I'm also trying to be honest. And so I'm in top five 
You know, I'm not going to, but, but I can't put myself one necessarily. Um, if I'm going to rank them right now, it's just off the top of my head. If we're going all time, and I don't know, there could be some vegan wrestlers I'm unaware of, but I'm going to go with number one, Killer Kowalski. Um, just because he was so ahead of his time, um, being vegetarian, I'm not sure if he was strict vegan, but even back then, Killer Kowalski were going back, uh, you know, a, a couple generations. So a guy's name was Killer Kowalski, and he didn't eat animals. He trained guys like Triple H and, uh, you know, probably the most famous, but he trained a lot of guys that we probably know now. Um, but yeah, Killer Kowalski, uh, I'm going to put number one just because he was a, a, a trailblazer, um, at a time where veganism wasn't a thing or vegetarian thing wasn't a thing. And he's a large gentleman too. Yeah. Um, number two, um, and this is, and this is where it's up for debate. I, I, I you know, I don't, and I don't know that, I don't know that Brian is still strict vegan. Um, but I'm going to slide him in there at the number two spot, um, simply because his platform has allowed him to, storyline-wise, really brings some attention to it in ways that I haven't been able to. And so even just for that, and, 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 and frankly, if I'm being honest, I think he's a better pro wrestler than me. You know, and, and I don't say that. There's probably only a handful of guys I'll say that about. And he's one of them because he's a guy that helped me become as good as I am when, when I got to get in there and mix it up with him back when we were both, you know, cutting our teeth, so to speak. So I'm going to put him at number two because I just, as a, as a person and the platform he has, he can, he can affect some major change if he's allowed to. And then I'm going to slot myself third. Uh, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, so I got some top three. And just because, you know, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I never started out to be a crusader or to be a, um, a public figure or a influencer. These things didn't exist when I started my journey. It was just about, you know, becoming smarter and making better decisions uh, to, to, to lead a life that, that aligned with what I believed in when I stopped listening to everybody else tell me what I was supposed to believe. And the fact that we're in this place now where I get to use that and just share that and it's become a platform and it's and that's helped other people change their lives and, and that I now see the, the power of sharing your, your story and your message can have on other people. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm top three. That That is humble, man. That is humble. I, I personally right. would have put you at number one just because you're my guy and uh, i'm biased yeah, like that, well, I could but, do that. You know. and we're thinking, yeah but that's for you to do i'll put myself top three that's yeah that's that's cool just the fact though <laughs> that you you drop killer kowalski in this interview i think is fantastic because i'm sure Yo, that there's about like, like six thousand yeah. people googling that name right now who have absolutely yeah. no clue how how big of a name he was in that game he was and the fact that again you're talking about the what 50s 60s maybe i could i could be a little wrong on my dates but like it, he was a big, scary dude, and then it was like, oh yeah, and he didn't, and he was like vegetarian. I don't know if he's ever strictly vegan, but like, that to me, when I found that out, even when early on in my thing, was like, wow, that's cool. Like, again, yep. it wasn't something that we talked about. So when you found out a guy like, well, this guy was like 280 of just like, his name was Killer Kowalski. Mm -hmm. <laughs> didn't kill any animals. That was cool. So I, that's why I got put him up there, just from the, just from the OG respect factor of, of a guy who was doing it long before it was even a thing. You know, he was onto something, and, and, and uh, and it showed because when I met him later in life, early in my career, I had a chance to go up and, and train in his facilities in the Northeast and meet him. And I mean, even at his age then, he was just still, you could see he was in great shape and still just a strong, strong, massive guy, you know. And so that's going, oh, okay, well, this guy's been doing this his whole life. Yep. Yep. So all this other stuff that you're reading and you're hearing, like, it's just not true. And it's just, it's simply not. And when, so when you start, when you start seeing real life examples and they're in front of you, and it's different than what you're reading or people are telling you, uh, it just changes your perception really quick because, well, if it's not possible, then how's this guy standing in front of me right now? Mm -hmm. Literally could, you know, rip my arm out of my sock if he wanted to when he shook my hand. Um, and he didn't do that because he's been eating chicken for 30 years. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, 
Anyway, yeah, dude, Joe Kowalski. All right, all right. Austin Aries, uh, July 25th. That's tomorrow if you're listening to this day one. Uh, MLW's Never Say Never at the Melrose Ball U- Ballroom in New York City, MLWTickets.com. To pick up your tickets, and oh, by the way, uh, head over to Amazon.com and uh, pick up Austin's book, Food Fight, My Plant Power Journey yeah. from the Bingo Halls to the Big Time. Uh, that is an yeah, outstanding actually, actually, read. Chuck, you know what? I don't want to cut you off here, but we're going to send everybody to my pro wrestling tea store. Is that cool? Yeah, dude. I mean, look, it's your time. Plug what you want. Yeah, pro wrestling tees. You can find me on there. Just look up Austin Aries at prowrestlingtees.com, and you can get shirts, my books, all that good stuff, and there'll be a lot more stuff coming up soon, so we're going to start driving all the traffic there. I appreciate your time, my friend. Best of luck on the uh, 25th against Ace Austin, and I uh, can't wait to have you back on the show, man. Appreciate it, man. It is always an adventure when Austin Aries is on the program. Mr. Charisma, that guy. We talked a lot about the paleo diet on today's podcast, and that's something we're really going to be diving into big time at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. Brenda Davis, she is a wonderful dietitian. She will be there deconstructing both the paleo and keto diet on Saturday, July 27th right here in Washington, D.C. at the beautiful Grand Hyatt Hotel. And you can still join us right now by registering at pcrm.org slash ICNM. Just use the promo code NutritionRx to save 20% off the cost of admission. And how's this for an all-star lineup? Dr. Neil Barnard will be there. Dr. Dean Ornish, he too will be there, as will Dr. Robert Osfeld, Dr. Lee Frame, our own Dr. Hanna Kaliova, and of course, the Fiber Queen, dietitian Lee Crosby, so many others all will be on hand sharing the latest findings from the world of food and our health. And everything begins Thursday, July 25th with a day full of plant-based basics. Then we're going to progress into the advanced course on July 26th and 27th. That's where we're going to explore the newest science between diet and kidney disease, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, the role of saturated fat in cardiometabolic disease, and my personal favorite, gut microbiome research. Plus, we're going to be taping live episodes of the Exam Room podcast all weekend long. So come nerd out with me, people. I would love to see you. We all would love to see you there. Sign up right now at pcrm.org slash ICNM. And if you use the promo code NutritionRx, you will save 20% off the cost of registration. That's promo code NutritionRx to save 20%. Just a quick, quick favor before we wrap up this week's episode, and that is please give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Chuck Carroll, WLC, and the show is at PCRM. On Instagram, I'm at Chuck Carroll, WLC as well, but the show and the Physicians Committee this time is spelled out at Physicians Committee. And just like when you subscribe to the podcast... When you follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter, you are actually helping us reach as many people as possible and hopefully change some lives, even save some lives with this information. 
So follow us. And then if you ever have any questions or comments about the show or heck, even just want to say hi, send them to us and use the hashtag exam room podcast. And that, my friend, is going to do it for this week. My thanks again to Dr. Hanna Kaliofa and Austin Aries for taking the time to join us and for everyone here at the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based.